Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 107. It's now been one year, seven weeks, and six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today I'm on my next to top Zen place, hooray! And this is 99% bonus episode. I really wanted to get up the mountain today because last show I walked around the park and shared with you my frustration that I had had the binge to beat all binges, a worse binge than I'd had in years, let alone ever since the show started. So I thought it would be a great chance since it's almost exactly one week since this binge occurred, that I share with you how I feel about it, what did I do about it, how do I feel physically, emotionally, did it knock me over? Of course it did. But I'm betting that what I have to say not only will be illuminating for myself, but it might trigger some thoughts for those of you that likewise suffer with having binge episodes from time to time. So stay tuned while we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and I'll share with you what I'm letting go of and all about the binge and its consequences. Take it away, Josh. But I'm letting go. Josh, I certainly feel better listening to I'm Letting Go this time than I did last time, right after that horrendous binge. And I got to tell you, brave companions, last week was a very interesting week. I would say it's definitely one of those highs and lows and full of learning, that's for sure. Do I wish I had to learn by having a whopping big attack of robot aliens? No, absolutely not. I certainly wish I could have just learned all I needed to learn without having to go through that experience. But one thing I've learned during this show is most things have some lesson you can take from them. And if you actually seek out these lessons and look at it that way of, oh, damn, I had, to, I had this experience, it at least makes you feel like Worthwhile maybe is not the word, but you know, like it wasn't worthless. Like even if I had to go through this pain, frustration, disappointment, whatever it is, at least it's not worthless, right? So today I'm gonna let go of something surprising. Today I'm gonna let go of having to justify myself to anyone, including myself. Whoa, Lori, that sounds like you're going to turn into a great big bitch, a selfish individual who goes around doing whatever she wants to do whenever she wants to and to hell with all of us or anyone else. Well, that's kind of true, <laughs> but let's hold back on that judgment for a minute. Most of us who have been dealing with this eating issue problem have some form of people-pleasing built in our DNA, and we also have some amount of I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy enough and I'm not allowed to have what I want just because I want it, right? People who think it's okay to have a cookie when they want a cookie 
and don't agonize over how many calories are in the cookie or should I have a cookie or what. They just feel like having a damn cookie and they have a cookie. That's a different set of people <laughs> than us. Now I know I'm not talking to 100% of you, but I'm generalizing, okay? I'm generalizing to people that are similar and have communicated with me that they are similar in their outlook to some of the things that I've gone through. And I have to tell you that until I start intuitive eating or trying to incorporate some of those principles, I don't think since I was a tiny, tiny little girl before four years old, have I ever seen a cookie, a piece of cake, a bag of chips, uh, anything that was quote unquote fattening in my mind or bad that I didn't feel guilty if I even wanted it. Like if you see the cream puff in the bakery as you pass by and I might think to myself, oh, that looks good. And immediately that would be followed by guilt. Now the strange thing is this translated not only into food but for anything that I wanted in my life, I felt guilty for wanting anything. And so if I asked for something, I would have to justify it. Now, what does justification mean? Justify means that you can give someone all of the reasons why it's better for you to have or do said thing than for you to not have or do said thing. So let me give you an example. I shared with you some last show that a big part of this binge that I had was due to my agonizing over voice acting. Now, voice acting is not a walk in the park, not if you mean to do it for real. And as I shared, I do mean to do it for real. My desire, my wish is to become technically proficient enough at commercial voice acting that I can make a demo send it out and to audition, to actually record and do audition pieces. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to get booked or cast as a voice actor, but what it's going to take for me to achieve this level of proficiency is one, the desire to do it, two, I've got to practice. Three, I need to seek out coaches and professional classes and I forgot where I'm counting, but I'll say four. I need to get some additional equipment and deal with soundproofing in my house in some manner. Now, a professional sound studio costs thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And would that make sense for me to put into my house, to have the best of everything and to, you know, totally soundproof, say, the guest room completely and turn it into a professional quality sound studio? No, that would be stupid. I'm not there. You know, the only reason that would make any sense is if I were like, you know, the bands that record their records in their house, or maybe I was one of the top 1% of all voice actors who, you know, record from home all the time, and the studios don't even care if they're doing animation that they record from home. I mean, we're talking top drawer people that would need absolute professional quality, bar none. Now, if they were at that level, they would have the money to be doing that, and there would absolutely be a need if that suited their schedule better, or they could get more work better because they happen to have this equipment at home that could produce such a high quality. 
Do I know 100% that I'm going to get work as a voice actor? No. I can't pull that out of my pocket. Do I know that, oh, this is just a hobby, and that's where I want to go with it? No. Because in my mind, coming from the technology world, I think it would be overkill to spend too much or to trick out any space in our house too much but I think the level of quality that I want to achieve, there's several things. Like, you know, if you're a regular listener, I forget which episode, but I did a chat with Alan Standish on the show. And I got some technical difficulties because I got a weird hum in my mic setup, which I couldn't hear, but he could because of my sketchy technical setup. Now, why don't I have a great podcasting setup? Well, because where do I record? With my trusty Roland recorder up here on the mountain. I don't really have to worry about sound dampening because I have the sound of nature and I'm out here and it's kind of part of the show, it's part of the gig, right? I don't have to worry about that when I'm talking to you on my walks or hikes. But if I'm in the studio, if I'm recording a commercial audition, or if someone hired me to do an audiobook for them, you don't want to hear the echoing bouncing around my house, and you don't want to hear weird kind of crackling noises because my connectors aren't right, and the kind of microphone you might use for that purpose is a different kind of mic than what you might use purely for Skyping your mom. Okay? <laughs> so... You know, in all technology, you should always get just what will do the job. But before you determine what the job is, actually, that's, I, I said that wrong. You need to determine what the job is. So, yes, it's overkill for me to get a tricked-out professional studio to be all end all with the top of the line, everything. That would be a mistake, in my opinion. But I think it would also be a mistake for me just to get the cheapest, cheapest thing. I mean, you can record just by piling a bunch of clothes in a spare closet, putting a quilt over your head, sticking your computer outside the closet, and having your mic under this blanket with a flashlight so you can read your copy. There are people that do that, and that might work in a pinch. But for me, that doesn't suit me. I want to have a place where I can set up my coffee, my, not copy, <laughs> my copy stand where you put the scripts. I want to have a place where I can stand or sit, have a light so I can see the copy, to have it be soundproofed enough that I can send a decent audition without having to do a lot of falderall and turn my house apart. So that might involve like building out part of my closet, putting some temporary soundproofing on the windows, things like this. That's going to cost some money. It's not going to cost horrendous amounts, but it's going to cost some. And, and now I'm getting off the whole point, right? I'm justifying for you and talking out loud the kinds of things I might tell Mark. But here's the bottom line. Do I want to pursue voice acting? Answer, yes, I do. Next question. What do you need to pursue it to the next level of where you are? I need to have some kind of sound recording studio, we'll call it, even if it's a closet or some screens with soundproofing or a portable box that you can put your microphone in. I need some way to record at minimum audition quality recordings so that I can practice doing that. That's where I'm at. 
I need to at least start practicing that. And, you know, that's why. I don't know that I'm going to be a professional voice actor. I don't know for a fact I'm ever going to book a single gig. But I know I want to try. Nothing in my classes so far, or the feedback from my teachers, or my peers, or anything that I, as an individual listening to my progress, without having rose-colored glasses on, tells me that I cannot achieve proficiency. And my heart says, I want this. This is how I want to spend my years right now. I want to do my podcast. I want to continue with my singing, and I want to continue with my voice acting. That is how I want to spend my life. And I don't want to have to justify it. The question is, is this something you want? Now, you might want to examine yourself a little further, because, like, obviously, last week I wanted to have a whopping big binge. That's what I wanted, but was it really what I wanted? No, I didn't say to myself, I really want a whopping big binge. My subconscious was saying, I don't want to deal with these questions. I don't want to deal with having to justify things because in your heart of hearts, you secretly don't feel justified to have anything. And I don't want to face up to that. And I don't want to have to give up stuff by admitting that you're really terrible and no good. And that, you know, that things aren't working out like you would wish. I don't want to have to think about any of those questions. So what I really wanted was relief from those questions. I wanted relief from the secret thought that I could not justify my own desires, that I wasn't worth having my desires. I couldn't justify what I was doing. I couldn't justify it because I was scared to practice because I wasn't even moving another step ahead in my own home, you know? So am I wasting all of our money? Am I really? And I don't know how to get to the bottom of it. But guess what, Brave Companions? I had a whopping big binge. And I do a show called Compulsive Overeating Diary, where I have trained myself to sit back following eating events and to mine my soul and my thoughts and my heart for why did these things happen? So in a way, I'm very lucky. I had this whopping big horrific binge after I've had this year plus of training, of thinking these things through. Did it stop the binge? No. But after the binge, man, my first thing I did was follow all the steps I so <laughs> handily outlined for you in show 103 about what to do physically after you have a big binge. So I did all those things for several days because it took several days for my digestion to move enough that I felt hardly any hunger at all. But I continued to walk around the park gently. I continued to drink loads of water. I continued to replace any thoughts of blame with thoughts of, wow, there must be some reason why you're doing this. And then Donnie posted something on that binge show notes, and I want to read that for you right now. I, too, hate how we find something that's to be fun, but because of our addictive compulsive personalities, we become obsessed, and it becomes something other than what it was intended to be or started out as. Wow, 
that really spoke to me and I immediately wrote a blog post called, Aha! Donnie nails it for me. My problem is perfectionism. My solution is tiger. And you guys, last week I really wrote a lot of blog posts, partially because, you know, I really couldn't speak. It was hard to speak going through the digestion of a whopping big binge like that. And it was also due to schedules and stuff. So I did like three or four blog posts last week. So here's a good point in the show to maybe tell you that if you would like to know when I post a blog, then subscribe to post via email and you will get the blog post as well as the show notes notification. You won't get my daily statuses if I write those. And the difference between them is blog posts are where I have an experience and it triggers for me a general story. When I expand it, it's either funny or sad or has some lesson in it. My statuses are more, you know, factual. This is what happened. This is what I did. So if you like to keep up with my statuses, you can come to CompulsiveOverreadingDiary.com and click on the status index and you will see my various statuses. And I do post something almost every day, either a show notes if I do a show like today or a blog post like I did a bunch of last week or a status, just kind of what's going on with me. All right, back from our commercial to our regular thing. Oh, I'm annoyed right now. Talking about perfectionism, I just recorded something that I really liked that I what I said, only I didn't turn my recorder on all the way. And then I got distracted by some other hikers who came up the trail. And then I got a bunch of bees swirling around me trying to drink the sweat off my brow. Damn bees. But they seem to have flown off now and we'll see if we can come back to get some of what I said. You know, it's a lot harder for me when I'm doing these off the cuff things to do it twice. So we were on perfectionism and how Donnie figured it out and how I wrote a blog post about it that you really should come see if you haven't read it because it really outlines how I realized perfectionism is the crux of all the things that I've given up in my life because I thought I wasn't good enough. Now, sometimes you find out, you know, I really don't enjoy this thing. And, you know, let's take ballet, for example. Now, I used to like to dance ballet when I was a young girl, but I am the wrong body type to become a professional ballerina. No matter how much I work, no matter how good of a ballerina dancer I became, I'm not going to be a professional ballet dancer. I'm the wrong size, I'm the wrong height, I'm just not going to do it because there's a certain body type that is required to succeed at professional ballerina dancing, right? That's just how it is. But let's say I love ballet and I want to dance it. Nothing would stop me from going to class even today. I could go find an adult ballet class and go dance it if I love it. So the fact that I have a different body type than what's required to be a professional ballerina should not stop me if I really want to dance. Same with singing. Okay, right now I'm learning to sing because I want to sing not because I want to be a fantastic professional singer, but it is handy because if in any of my voice acting parts, a lot of them have these little bits where you sing in character a little bit. Now I'm not scared of that because I learned how to sing, but that wasn't the reason for it. I don't have to justify why I want to sing. I don't have to say I want to sing because, oh, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars as a singer. Everybody's gonna wanna listen to me on YouTube or something. 
I want to learn how to sing because I want to learn how to sing. Why not? I found out learning to sing, I enjoy learning to sing. I enjoy singing, so might as well. So on and on I went. When I look back in my life, I see how paralyzing it has been for me. And here's the little progression I talked about last time, is that I will start out something intuitively. You know, I'll have some natural ability or some instincts in acting or art or cooking or any task, anything that you can think of. I'll have some natural ability and I will get so far. Then I get to the place where everybody is having to learn the correct process, rules, methodology, the craft of whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And that's where I start to falter because I have a hard time to apply this craft. And why is that, Brave Companions? Because once I internalize a rule, my perfectionist, obsessive mind is not happy with me unless I do it perfectly. Now, even professional people don't do everything perfectly all of the time. Nobody is perfect. Nobody, nobody. And so me telling myself I can't accomplish something because it isn't perfect is counterproductive. Well, you can hear some of that in that last take. When the helicopter came and buzzed me, normally I would have stopped recording and re-recorded, but screw that, I'm not gonna be a perfectionist. I made my point right there. So it was a revelation to me just how perfectionism has wormed its way throughout my entire life. And this comes back to my first original point about justifying. Now, for me to justify anything I want to do, being a perfectionist, I have to believe in my heart that I am perfect or can become perfect. And I can't become perfect. I can't. So I feel guilty and like all my justification reasons are lies. But it comes down to this, brave companions, whether it's wanting a cookie or wanting to pursue voice acting because frankly, at this point in time, I enjoy it. When I go to the class, I like the people that I'm meeting. When I go to the social events, I enjoy talking about voice acting with those people. I enjoy the process when I do it. I enjoy learning more about microphone technique. I enjoy learning more about audio technique. I really do like having a chance to dabble in acting because it is acting. It is acting even though you, the listener, would not see the actor's body unless they're doing motion capture, motion capture like what David did in a video game. But it's still acting, and it's fun for me to revisit it. Am I as good as the actors who've been taking classes forever and have actually been professionally acting in L.A.? No, no, no. But you know what? They're nice people, and they're supportive, and a lot of them give me hints or tricks or help me out. And I enjoy it. So... As long as I am enjoying it, and as long as I think that I have a shot at being proficient, it doesn't matter if I screw up. It really doesn't. Not if I screw up at home, not if I screw up in class, not if I screw up. Because that's how I learn. It doesn't matter if I screw up when I'm singing, because that's how I learn. If I sang perfectly, Vicky would have nothing to correct and I wouldn't learn anything in that week's lesson. He'd be like, okay, more of that, more of that, more of that. How boring would that be? 
If all of life was perfect for us, brave companions, how boring would that be? I'd get here on the mountain and say, well, my life is perfect again, brave companions. Everything went perfectly. My body's perfect. I'm perfect. My relationships are perfect. Everything I do is perfect. Everything I touch turns to gold. Man, oh man, that would be one boring life. And my life is anything but boring. And partly because it isn't at all perfect. Now, Cheryl asked me on a comment on my binge. So my question is, now that you know the why and wherefore of the binge, do you think you'll be able to spot it coming next time? It's like having one big puzzle piece though, isn't it? Now I haven't had a chance to answer her in writing yet, but Cheryl, you know what? No, I think if a binge comes again, I won't see it coming. If one, if the idea of binging will be approaching me because it's based on perfectionism and something I'm trying to achieve, yes, I will. Because each and every compulsive eating episode, each and every binge that I've taken the time to dissect and understand what my subconscious robot aliens are trying to protect me from, the next time my conscious is aware of it. So for the most part, once I've learned the lesson, I'm not binging over that because I'm already aware of it. And for me, my binges are to stop me from being aware. So does this mean that all binges are going to stop for me? Uh Uh-uh. And you know, there might be a different wrinkle to this type of binge that will attack me again. I don't know. I can't say I'm never going to binge. I can't say, even if I'm aware of it, it's going to stop the binge. Because maybe even if I have an awareness, what I'm feeling will be so painful to me that the only way I can turn my mind off in that moment is to go ahead and eat whatever it is I'm wanting to eat. I hope not. I'm doing my best to make it so that isn't the case. But there's no promises in this or any other piece of my life. Now, I just wanted to mention a few things before we say goodbye. Uh, One of the blog posts, it was really funny, and I wish I had told you the story, but I wrote it pretty well. It's called My Mortifying House of Dusty Horrors. That's when a technician I call Technojack came in to mess with our internet, and it was my messy house nightmare come true. So it really was a pretty funny blog post, and I recommend it that you come check out My Mortifying House of Dusty Horrors. And then yesterday, before I went to the Pantages Theater with Mark to squeeze my butt into that small seat, and watched Newsies, I wrote, just do what you want. Well, I was listening to Tom Jones and Jules Holland while I walked around the park. Well, danced around the park is really what I did. And that was the first time that I realized, you know what, even if I look silly, I don't care because I want to dance around the park and that's what I'm going to do. Now, do I recommend that you go annoy people and stop them from enjoying their day by being loud or dancing in their face? Or No, I don't think that. But if you feel like dancing around a park, brave companions, you should be out dancing around the park. You know, you don't need to justify it to anybody. If you want to dance, dance. You want to sing, sing. You want that cookie, go get that cookie. Sit down with a plate. Pay attention to yourself and enjoy that cookie. You don't need to justify it to anyone. So before we go, I do want to have a shout out for Amy from Wisconsin. And for those of you that pray 
or send good thoughts or put rocks on the mountain, please send your vibes and love and prayers to Amy from Wisconsin and her family. Again, it's a private matter, but she could really use your emotional support. So Amy, this is a big smooch for you. I'm thinking of you and I'm gonna go right now and place some rocks on the mountain for you. Till next time, brave companions, take care. Because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone, it won't be holding on to anything again. I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a sign.